We will never make it, Zoe said. We are moving too slow. But we cannot leave the Ophiatoris. Moo. <laughs> As he said. <laughs> Welcome to... Really, do the thing. Do the thing. <laughs> Welcome to Floor 600. <laughs> this is a podcast where two friends, Natalie and Quinn, read the Percy Jackson and the Olympian series by Rick Riordan. Right now, we are reading and analyzing The Titan's Curse, the third book in the series. Yep. <laughs> and these chapters were really emotional and sad. Yeah. And the emotions just keep coming. Yeah. <sighs> this is just. <laughs> it doesn't help that it starts off with moo. <laughs> yeah. Um. <clears throat> but before we get into that, we wanted to apologize. Oh, we did for talking too much. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're not apologizing. Okay. Yeah. You know what? Oh wait, I'll I'll wait. Well we should okay, so we got a <laughs> review. There was a review on, on iTunes and personally made me laugh and I think it made you laugh too. A lot. <laughs> yeah. Because it was absurd. It's a how many stars? One star? Two. Two star review. Thanks for the two stars. I like that it's not one. Yeah, we appreciate that. <laughs> and it said that we talk too much. And not, yeah. we don't read the book a lot. No. That's, that's, I'm sorry to say that's not what this podcast is. I don't think it's legal to sit on a podcast that you may or may not eventually at some point make money off of. Or even if you're not making money off of it, yeah. I don't think it's legal to just read a, someone else's book on a podcast. Yeah, I don't think that's... That's what audiobooks are for. Mm-hmm. So... Get it from your local library, kids. Yeah. It's available on Libby and Hoopla and I don't yeah. know. I don't know what other Overdrive. What other apps yeah. do libraries <laughs> use? Look into your dig online libraries. <laughs> if all else fails, there might be CDs of it. <laughs> yes. But yeah. But no hard feelings. I laughed. Yeah, made me laugh. It was nice. It may mean someone listened to exactly. it. Exactly. Oh yeah. I bet. <laughs> So, in other words, we also have plugs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you can send us your Percy Jackson stories and comments to floor600.podcast at gmail.com. And you can leave reviews about how we talk about the book and don't read the book. And we do a pretty swell job of that. Sometimes. <laughs> Anywhere you want. Pretty yeah. much on iTunes, really. I don't know where else. <laughs> listen anywhere you listen to podcasts. Join our Patreon at patreon.com slash floor600. And follow us on Twitter and Instagram at floor underscore 600. And I guess our Tumblr is dead, but you can check it out at floor600 podcast. <laughs> I don't know. It's not dead per se. It's just, <laughs> it's just in, an, in, I don't know, a coma. It's, a, it's, it's in a very long sleep. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and... Something exciting Cryostasis. happened. Cryostasis. There you there go. go. <laughs> <laughs> Something exciting happened. What? We got an email. <gasps> yes! Yes! So, um, we, you might remember a while back, listeners, that when Percy takes Nico to Camp Half-Blood for the first time, he asks about the Camp, orient- Camp Half-Blood orientation film, and we post the question in our quest queries, what makes it PG-13? Yeah, and I we heard back on this email 
And then also we did hear back on a few, uh, on a few Instagram posts. So I believe it. Yeah. So Valeria sent us an email. She said, "Hey guys, hey guys. I don't know why you're really like that voice, <laughs> but hey guys. First of all, I want to let you know that I love your podcast. Oh, Thank thanks. you. Thanks for doing it. Thank you for listening, Valeria." <laughs> In the Titans Curse, they say that Camp Half-Blood's orientation film is rated PG-13. Why, you asked? The answer is in the little but very funny book, Camp Half-Blood Confidential. I read it a while ago, while ago, but really just remembered that Percy goes through the camp and just describes it and watches the orientation film. It's really short. I think it's like 100 pages and would answer a lot of your questions on the demigod training camp. I really don't know if someone told you already, but I just want, had to make sure you knew. Keep the great... Keep up the great work. I don't think anybody told us because I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, there was someone who commented on one of our Insta- Instagram posts, Natbat underscore the period romantic. That's a long username and I'm into it. Let's go. But she says, uh, well, if, bleh, well, if anyone's, well, if anyone's read the guide to Camp Half-Blood, I think it would probably be the fact that Apollo nearly kills the campers a couple of times. Oh! And I, so I guess that's part of the, that book. And it makes me... I, um, we'll have to read it. Yeah. We, we'll have to read that soon. Mm-hmm. So thanks for pointing that out, Valeria, because... We planned on reading it at some point. We just don't But know now why. it's bumped up on our reading yeah. list. Maybe... No promises, but maybe we'll we'll read that between PJO and the next one. I just totally blanked. Heroes of Olympus? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That one. That one? I don't know if we can because it is a, it's a spin, it's a, it's like a Picro sequel type book thing to the Heroes of Olympus series. So... It might so, be spoiler filled for you, hey, Natalie. Valeria, write us if that's gonna spoil things from <laughs> Heroes of Olympus for me because I've never read that and I don't want spoilers. Get enough spoilers on the internet. Darn fandom. <laughs> I haven't read books that are five years old yet, and it's all your <laughs> No. Just kidding, obviously. Um so yeah, yay! We love email and Instagram comments. Mm-hmm. Thanks for interacting. <laughs> <laughs> so, are you ready for this emotional roller coaster? No. I know. No one ever is. You know what? I'm less. I'm. I'm. I'm not ready to finish this book. I know. This is honestly becoming one of my favorite ones of the of the three Me that too. we've read so far. Because, and it's sort of bad because I think I said that when I was reading when we were reading. Sea of Monsters, but this one yeah. has topped Sea of Monsters for Sea me. of Monsters was my favorite up until I reread this one. Mm-hmm. And now I'm like, damn, this one's good. Yeah. That's D-A-M, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> so, Quinn, you want to talk about where we're going to be the day before this episode is released? Hmm. Do I? I don't know. Do you? <laughs> yeah. So, the day before this episode has been released, while you are listening to our words right now, we are now changed people. Yes. 
We our entire life. We're starstruck. Is, yeah. We're still starstruck. We're pre-starstruck <laughs> as we're recording this. <laughs> we will have been to see Rick Riordan yeah! himself. <sighs> I'm so excited. And know. you know what's hilarious about the whole thing? Hmm. I haven't read any of the books beyond I know. the Battle of the Labyrinth. <laughs> I'm really sort of stressed out about that. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of spoilers. Well, sure. yeah, because it's a book signing for the the top. Apollo's the 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 most the prophecy one. The one that we haven't read any of the books in I the series yet. I literally looked at yet. it like 500 times today because I had to print the tickets. <laughs> Prophecy, Apollo, Tyrant, Tomb. No? What is it? What is it? Oh? Tyrant's Tomb! I was yes. right. I was totally right. You should have stuck with it. Trust your gut, girlfriend. Oh, I'm so close. Yes. Yeah, I was right. I'm going to go get my book, The Trials of Apollo, and I'm going to take it to him and say, <laughs> No, you're going to go get your his book, The Trials of Apollo, The Titans, Tyrant's Tomb. And be like, hi, Uncle Rick, can you sign this? I've only read five of your very many books. <laughs> and he's going to be like, of course, I'm a great person, so I don't care. Yeah. And then I'm going to walk away with a book I can't read for another year and a half, probably. I know. But you know what? It doesn't matter because I didn't pay for it. <gasps> you know who did pay for it? One of our patrons. Yes! What? It's so exciting. I know, right? Yeah. We do know this patron in yeah, real life. Yeah, we know him. He's not, but... <laughs> He's not a stranger, okay? No stranger danger here. No. <laughs> but the fact that we know him in real life and the fact that he is a patron is like one circle on a Venn diagram. <laughs> We've been talking about Venn diagrams I a lot today. like Venn diagrams. <laughs> you should know that before we turned on this microphone, we were having an in-depth conversation about Venn diagrams. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but um, maybe we will have seen some of you guys there. I don't know. Yeah, that would be cool. Um, the, this stop is in Downers Grove, was, I guess, in Downers Grove, Illinois. Yeah. So next episode, we'll definitely be talking about it. And maybe we'll record a Patreon episode and talk directly yeah. about it. Because, and there's going to be a question answer thing. Ooh. Ooh. Questions. I'm brainstorming questions already. <laughs> <laughs> nice. It's like, All what right. are your sources on Greek mythology? <laughs> <laughs> what books do you recommend we read? Yeah. So, yeah. We'll have cool shirts on, so. Yeah. Maybe and we'll show, like, pictures and stuff. Yep. But we've fun. talked a lot about other things, and let's get into the actual depressingness of Ugh. these chapters. I have so much energy, and this is so sad. Bring that energy into chapter 16. We, we meet, meet the, the dragon, dragon of, of eternal, eternal bad breath. breath. <laughs> Four stars. What did I give it? I gave it three. Oh. It didn't overwhelm me in any way. But it's scary. I guess. It, I it's kind know. of amusing, but like not a lot's been amusing in the last like five chapters. Yeah, yeah I so. feel like it's just like everything's been brought down by the kind. Yeah. <laughs> it's like we know Sad. the sadness is coming. And is here already. The sadness is with us. Yeah, and it's only going to get worse. So here we go. Here we go. 16. I wanted to make a comment on the fact that Zoe says we are moving too slow. Mm-hmm. Slow's an adjective, not an adverb. Okay. It's improper to say we are moving too slow. 
So what did you want her to say? She should have said we are moving too slowly. All right, that's the what we need to bring up to Uncle Rick at this thing. Well, no. Like, hey, we found a grammar mistake. <laughs> it's not so much the grammar mistake as it is A character Zoe. flaw? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I guess I could, yes, okay. Because Zoe's all like, thee and thou, you know, mm-hmm. and like says all these like old proper things. So yeah. maybe it's just the way they said it back in the day. Yeah. But, I don't know, when I read that, I was like, ugh. Maybe she's just tired and sad, so she's yeah. her grammar has <laughs> slacked. <laughs> yeah, I'll I'll let it slide. Okay. But I just wanted to point it out that it, I thought about it. Mm-hmm. <sighs> okay. The squad has a long way to go, and once again, they have no transportation. <laughs> yeah. They have to get all the way to the mystical misty mountain, <laughs> and the sun is already setting, and tomorrow's the winter solstice. And all heck is about to break loose, okay? So Percy's like, why do we have to get there by sunset? And Zoe's like, the Hesperides are the nymphs of the sunset, so we can only all enter their garden at sunset. Which I guess that makes sense. So, (laughs) you know, they've got like approximately three hours to get there. (laughs) I don't know why I'm turning. I don't know either. For those who can't see, her arms have been in the air the entire time she's been talking. (laughs) They're back up. <laughs> this is why we don't record in the evenings. <laughs> Too energetic. And so the search for transportation continues. And the squad realizes that once again they have no way to get anywhere. And I really wish they hadn't left the van back in DC. Yeah. But they had no choice and it honestly probably would have gotten blown up by now anyway. So probably. Whatever. So Percy's like well, we have to keep an eye on Bessie. Bessie can't ride in a car. Yeah. <laughs> it's a cow serpent. <laughs> yeah. So Grover decides that he will be able to help Bessie get back to Camp Half-Blood. And after that, Chiron can help get him up to Olympus for safekeeping. Mm-hmm. Doesn't really sound safe, but okay. Yeah. So Grover asks Percy to pray to Poseidon to grant them safe passage through the sea. Because they're literally going... Thousands of miles <laughs> through the sea. They're going from San Francisco back to Long Island. Yeah. It's just about as far across this country as you can get. Yeah. Which is like five Europe's. As in what? <laughs> five Europe's. <laughs> Maybe not five, but a lot. Three. Okay. They, <laughs> yes, they have to circle a continent. Yes. It's craziness. So Talia points out that a request that big needs a sacrifice. So Percy throws his Nemean lion fur coat into the sea, which is really, like, not good. It's a big loss. That is a big loss, but it's a callback to some of the original myths where a lot of times when someone would, or when a hero would get, like, ooh, look it, I have, like, uh, with um, Perseus, the myth of Perseus, when he, he gets all of these magical items, he has a... He has the head of Medusa and the cap of invisibility and, Uh like, all of these, like, fancy-dancy special items. And he gets home and he, like, accidentally kills his father. Or, no, his grandfather. Oops. Uh, So he sacrifices or whatever he gives his sort of magical items back to the gods. And the gods are like, thanks, bro. We're going to make you happy. 
We won't kill you. Yeah. For a while, at least. Gotcha. Well, Perseus had a happy life. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. Oh, yeah, because that's why Sally's named Percy Perseus. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I get why it has to happen, but it's still kind of a bummer. Yeah. So Grover jumps into the bay with Bessie, and they swim away, headed toward Long Island. So that, oh, I wrote it down, thinking... It's 2,955.5 miles. Wow, 0. 0.5? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which would take you 44 hours to drive by car on the toll road. Wait, you were just going by, r- r- like, yeah, on the straight road. across the yeah. road. So, so imagine. Add some, <laughs> a lot of distance there with ocean-wise. <laughs> yeah. So, like, probably, I don't know, at least another one of that. Yeah, at least 2,956 miles. <laughs> I meant, like, double that. <laughs> I guess I didn't say that very well. <laughs> Whatever! <coughs> so, now that Grover and Bessie are hopefully well on their way to safety, Percy, Talia, and Zoe are the last ones left in San Francisco. Yes. And they still don't have any transportation! So Percy helpfully points out that there is no one there to help them. <laughs> and Talia is like, wait, there is someone here. And she digs around in her backpack and she finds Annabeth's father's address. Yeah. Here in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. So. Remember Annabeth was talking about moving to San Francisco <clears throat> with her family? Oh my yeah, goodness, we're having a callback. <laughs> but she was talking about it like, oh, they might be moving. But like, he's already did done to yeah. moved. Yeah. He gone. Mm-hmm. And when Percy, or like when they get into it, or into the house, Percy's just like, this is a lived-in house. They've moved, they've lived here for a yeah. while. Why is Annabeth only just moving? She's probably like considering staying at camp year round again. Yeah. And now, uh, but Annabeth, he, yeah, Come on, Annabeth. Girl. She's young, okay. She doesn't know what she wants. Yet. I know, but I want her to have a good relationship with her family. Me too. And with her camper family as well. Yeah, she has multiple. Fam- can she have multiple families? Of course she can. Yeah. We all can. Sometimes we choose our family, and that's nicer family than the family you were born with. <laughs> you sounded so fake while saying that, but I know you believe it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not fake. I'm just saying. <laughs> so the squad makes their way over to Professor Chase's house, and Uncle Rick doesn't explain how they get there, or no. how long it takes them to get there, or how far they had to go. No. So not I kind of feel like bits. maybe it was just around the corner. Yeah. In the city, none of them have ever been to before. Yeah, they just knew yep. exactly where it was. Well, maybe Demi got an intuition. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe uh, <laughs> Zoe has been to San Francisco before. Yeah. Maybe. And she kind of had a rough idea of the streets. Yeah. I know absolutely Well, all the hunters the hunters just memorize every street map in yeah. the entire world. <laughs> Don't you know? They're, they're just great at navigation. Yes, they are like <laughs> GPSs. <laughs> as long as you got a hunter, you're not lost. <laughs> yeah. Well, they got the North Star, obviously. Obviously. They can see it even in the day. Uh-huh. So Professor Chase is the opposite of what Percy expects him to be. There's no devil horns in sight. There's just sandy hair and brown eyes and aviator goggles and an aviator hat. Because he's a quirky guy. He reminds me of a lot of professors I've had. Yeah. <laughs> reminds me of that cartoon guy from... Is it? Is it from... Atlantis. Yeah. 
Long, uh, yeah. Yeah, I think Milo, him. whatever. Oh, yeah, him, but um, also from Tarzan. Oh, wait. Isn't there, like, the two, the man and the wife at the beginning who are, like, Tarzan's parents? Ooh, yeah, Tarzan's sexy parents, yes. <laughs> yes. I didn't say they were sexy. That was You only... know they're sexy. Okay. <laughs> Look at that man, man's mutton chops. <laughs> <laughs> so they, this god explains who they are, and as soon as Professor Chase hears that Annabeth is in danger, he lets them inside to hear them out. And, yeah, like Quinn said, the house is messy. Mm-hmm. Like, it's lived in. Like, there's a winter coat on the floor, presumably, from oh, when they lived in New York. Yeah, why do they have a winter coat? They're in San Francisco. <laughs> I'm sorry, but San Francisco, you don't understand winter. <laughs> <laughs> One of the kids probably threw it on the floor. Um, Annabeth's half-brothers, Matthew and Bobby, are yelling at each other and throwing Legos and stuff. They seem fun. Yeah, sure. Or annoying, but annoying brothers to have. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Never so, a dull moment. the squad meets mrs chase a pretty asian woman who seems to be the only one in the house who has her life together and she is also not what percy expected she greets them nicely and offers them food Mm -hmm. she actually seems concerned about annabeth's safety she does what happened to this evil stepmother idea i don't know annabeth are you biased in your memories (laughs) Maybe there's just horns hiding in her in bun, her bun, in her red highlighted bun. Yeah. So Doctor Chase takes the squad up to his study, and they see like all his model airplanes, and he has a model of the Third Battle of Ypres. And Doctor Chase is definitely a quirky guy. That is for Wait, sure. Wait, how did you pronounce it? Ypres. Is that how French people pronounce I it? I think so. I I don't know. I've always pronounced it Ypres. 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 I don't know. I avoid it. <laughs> I'm I'm like ninety percent sure that's how it's pronounced. Okay, but I could be wrong. It was a depressing battle in World War One because all the battles are pretty depressing, especially World War One. I'm sorry. War is pretty depressing. What? Yep. Oh my goodness! I think this is a revolutionary concept right here. No, it's not. Oh, it's not. No. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> Dr. Chase is showing them the model, and Zoe walks over to it, and she's like, the German lines were much further from the river, or something like that, and he's like, what? And they kind of explain who Zoe is, and Dr. Chase is very impressed. Yeah. And they have to, like... Well, he talks about his paper that he's writing, because he yeah. has a reason for having all yeah. of this this war memorabilia. And, and for moving to San Francisco. Yeah. Because he ha- he is studying the sop with camels, which are, are, which are not camels with humps. They are planes. They were biplanes. We can talk. We'll talk about them later because. Oh. Reasons. Okay. Yeah. So it's like your classic like green army biplane. Yeah. World War One, plane. Cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's the whole reason they had to move to San Francisco. Yeah. And all this And stuff. he's studying the the actions of the the Sopwith camels during the third battle of the Eeps. And yeah. he's arguing that in his thesis that he believe, he believes that they had a more influential but Yeah. <laughs> I was actually very interested in his paper. I was like, I would, I would read of it. Of course you were. <laughs> so I had to break him away from these conversations about Sopwith camels. To talk to him about a battle that's actually happening now, <laughs> today, in two hours, presumably. 
Rescuing Annabeth from Cronus's army. A little bit more important. No offense, Dr. Chase. <laughs> so after just like a little bit of convincing, this doesn't even take much, Dr. Chase allows the kids to take his yellow convertible Volkswagen to the misty, magical, mystical mountain. Or Mount Tam. It's yep. a real mountain. Yeah. <laughs> and Mrs. Chase brings them peanut butter sandwiches and cookies, and all Talia and Percy eat are cookies. Yeah. That is not Come fuel. on, girl. Or boys. Girls at the team. Come, Come on, on, you guys. <laughs> like, it, you haven't had a decent meal in pr- ever. Like, like, like four days. Like, I think they have, like, maybe a bite of a burrito. Maybe. Maybe. And all they eat are cookies. You grab that peanut butter sandwich and you feel your body, kids. You grab three of those peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and you stuff that in your bag. I don't care <laughs> if it gets peanut butter all over your sword. It doesn't matter at this point. How are you going to fight Kronos on an empty stomach? You're going to get lightheaded and pass out. Feed yourself. Diabetes is bad. Get some protein. (laughs) So Zoe is the only one who bothers to grab a sandwich here. Because she's smart. She's lived long enough to understand the value of a sandwich. (laughs) (laughs) And then they jump in the Volkswagen and they head off toward Mount Tam. So they're driving up the mountain. Oh, wait. Before we start going, I sort of want to talk. What did you... What was your general feel on the, uh, Annabeth's parents? <laughs> um, uh, the general feel. Dr. Chase seems really self-absorbed. Yeah. But I don't think he's, like, a bad person. Mm-hmm. I think he loves his family. He just gets really caught up in this crazy stuff that, uh, like, maybe ten other people care about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. He's very much... He, he, he can go off on tangents and yeah. just rabbit holes and uproot his entire family and follow it. But <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Regardless of whether or not his daughter, with whom he had finally reunited, is able to go with him because, you know, monsters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then Mrs. Chase, because we do not get a first name, sort of annoying... Yeah. Give women names. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's an a- it's actually an issue. Give women names. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah this is uh, um, the joke. Like I I don't know because I wrote in my notes when I first read it like uh, my feelings on her because I remember when I first read the book when the book came out I was like I I like these people like these aren't terrible people they mm-hmm. are trying to be good parents but. Sort of failing. Yeah. Um, but then when I read it a second time for the podcast, I got real, like, creepy vibes from Mrs. Chase. But I think that was because I was watching the show Fleabag on Amazon. <laughs> Fleabag. Great show. But in Fleabag, there's a stepmother character played oh. by... Ooh, what's her name? Uma she, Thurman. No. Oh. <laughs> I'm just saying Uma Thurman because you don't know who she is. Yeah. <laughs> She's Medusa. Uh, Olivia. Oh, God. Newton John. No. She was, <laughs> she played the queen in The Favorite. She just won, she won Best Actress. Mm. Ooh. Best Actress. No, it's not typing. This sounds like a personal problem. It is. I don't care about Best Actress, 1999. It's Gwyneth Paltrow, by the way. Wow. Like, probably for Shakespeare Emma. in Love. Oh. I'm, that was a total guess. Is she um, in Olivia Shakespeare Qu- in Love? Yeah, she's in Shakespeare in Love. I've it's Gwyneth it. Paltrow. 
Uh, Olivia Coleman is the oh. stepmother in Fleabag, and she oh. is very. It's like she's overly nice, but in a terrible way, and she's oh. a terrible human being, and she's really, really mean too. And I like, did not get those vibes from Mrs. Chase. Like, oh, I don't know. Maybe it was this. Because, like, that was my second reading of it. And then today yeah. I re-listened to it and I got completely different vibes. But that was because I was listening to it and I had other thoughts while listening to the audiobook. <laughs> and I will not crit- criticize the audiobook right now, but I have critiques. Yeah, we'll talk about that later. I don't know. I think she seems like she's the only one who knows what the heck is going on around that place. Yeah, yeah. She seems to have her stuff together and yeah. she's able to actually control Mr. Chase, which seems to be... An issue sometimes. Like. <laughs> um, I do remember when I first read this, though. Like, that part pulled me out of the story so bad because it felt, like, so... Uh, like, they stepped into a completely different world. Yeah, they did. It's, and like, completely like, what? out of it. Wait, what? <laughs> like, how did we get here? Mm-hmm. And it probably doesn't help or didn't help that there was no them traveling to. yeah. They just showed up there. Yeah. I think I even went back and thought I missed a page of, like, traveling. Mm-hmm. It is, it, it is strange, because I feel like in these books, we do do, or there's a lot of traveling, and we yeah, rarely, think, we rarely jump to a location. Yeah. And I think that this was just a main, really big time jump, like, oh, we're yeah. here now. Okay. Like, we almost always see the squad going to a place mm-hmm. in some Even way. if it's just, like, a sentence, we get... We hopped on the bus. Yeah. Like, even at the beginning of this book, we see them in Sally, Queen Sally's car. Yeah. Going on to Westover Hall. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, like, we just don't get any of that. Mm-hmm. It was less jarring when I reread it this time because, I don't know. I've I feel like it's it, like more jarring the more we talk about it, but. Yeah. <laughs> We're jarring ourselves. <laughs> but back to it they're leaving yeah. Mr. Chase's they took his car thanks car yay car uh, <laughs> so as they're driving up the mountain I hate driving up mountains by the way ear popping terrifying <laughs> Percy notices that everything smells like cough drops and Zoe points out that it's because of the eucalyptus trees which the dragon Ladon eats I went down too far so the mountain, yeah, we it's called Mount Tamalpay, Tomorrow's. But to demigods, it's called the Mountain of Despair. What a cheerful name. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it is named for the imprisonment of the general, Kronos's right-hand man. Hmm, who could that be? Sounds familiar. Hmm. So there's like a giant swirling storm at the top of this mountain. And Percy's all like, what could that be, everybody? And What's everybody that? And like Talia and Zoe are like, God, Percy, why are you like this? <laughs> And he's like, oh, I felt like a fool. I'm like, you should! So, <laughs> and once he's done admiring the giant swirling storm out there, mm-hmm. he looks down, and there's the princess Andromeda docked at the beach. How does this thing get around so fast? The Panama Canal! <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Remember quite a few episodes ago when I was like, Panama Canal, Panama yeah, Canal. And then you and thought you I didn't know it how the Panama Canal worked, and you just were just saying, Panama Canal, Panama Canal. Because I was like, hey, they're going to use the Panama Canal to get to the southern side of the country. 
you're like, when the water goes in and then that part goes down and then they go over and then that part goes up. Blah, I'm blah. sorry. I sent you that video of the, the Panama Canal. I know Canal. how the Panama Canal works. I was in sixth grade. It was a very, I liked those videos. They're fun to watch. It's like, I just don't remember what where it connects to. Okay. That's all. <laughs> it, it's in Panama. Don't you know where Panama? <laughs> it's in the south of North America. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Geography is important. Children stay in school. <laughs> we stayed in school a long time. So. And we don't know our geography. So I guess thanks to Talia's storm powers, she senses this giant lightning bolt about to hit the Volkswagen before it actually does happen. Mm-hmm. So, yay, I guess. They all escape before the car gets exploded. Explode the car. Hooray. <laughs> but Talia's immediately like, oh my god, I couldn't believe my dad did that, or would do this. Yeah. And then she's just like, when shall that perish from my uh, a parent's hand? And like, oh, I can't, like, my dad would kill me, so I didn't, whatever, yeah. destroy him. It, and Percy's like, it wasn't no, him, bro. it wasn't her, it wasn't him, it was Kronos, it was Kronos. Which, honestly, was it? That's a... I would think that's a question one should ask. Yeah. <laughs> because I could too. see Zeus like, all right, we're we're down to the minute here. There's a strong possibility that my like, daughter will turn on me. Yeah. This is last chance. Can I get rid of her? But, but also, Artemis is also his daughter. Yeah. And also, wouldn't he... He would know that she would be able to sense lightning. Maybe it was a warning. Yeah. That almost killed all three or of them. It wa- or it was from Kronos. <laughs> or it was just And it chance. was uh, Kronos doing that, knowing that Talia was going to be able to sense it. So it was just him sort of putting in a thought in her head that her father wants her to die. Maybe and it was the mist stopping them from going into the Garden of the Hesperides. Maybe, 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 maybe. Who knows? What if it was just lightning? It just <laughs> so happened. That's Bruce. I don't know if you can hear that. But. Bruce is a dog. Yeah, he's my doggo. It's a very manly name. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But the lightning bolt destroyed the car and the lightning thief. Ah. So is that Zeus? I think that was Zeus. My personal idea is that it was Zeus. He thought Percy was the lightning thief. Mm Mm-hmm. It's a mystery. It's a (laughs) mystery. Yeah, so we'll 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 uh, revisit this theory later. Yes. So, <laughs> so Percy and Talia had to constant. Oh, okay. So they're they're transportationless again. Oh, the no. transportationless squad times four. Yeah. And Zoe is like, "Come on, come along," and she just walks into the fog and disappears into the mist. And Percy's like, "What's that? What's happening?" And Talia's like, you just have to concentrate really hard, Percy. And so they... they She's basically like, Percy, pay attention. No, like, figure out what's real. Pay attention. Yeah. She's like, focus on Zoe. Let's go. So they walk through the layer of mist into the Hesperides garden. That... I love that image that they like can't see where they're going and they're just walking ahead. It reminds me of like haunted houses and Ooh. like the good haunted house where like you walk into a room and it's like, I cannot see the person I walked in with. <laughs> How do we get out? 
oh no, that's not a person I walked in with. That's a, <laughs> that's a ghoul. <laughs> or that Stranger Things haunted house we went to. Oh, that was the, a root, weird... The hall with the mattresses where it just kept getting smaller and smaller and then you came out on something. And when they put us end. in like the boiler room and cl- like locked the... Ugh. That was so creepy. Ooh, now I'm scared. <laughs> <laughs> but Zoe's sisters, the Hesperides, surprise, yeah, are surprise. in the garden. And sisters, four. So four... Hesperides. There are come four out. of them. Yeah. And they're harassing Zoe. Mm-hmm. And Ladon, the giant. As sisters do. I wouldn't know. <laughs> so. <laughs> this, I didn't mean that to sound like as depressed as it came out. <laughs> anyway, Ladon, the coppery scale giant, hundred headed. Dragon is also there guarding the tree with the apples of knowledge. Apples of ne- immortality. Apples of <laughs> Mixing my myths here, people. This isn't the Christian Christian myth. <laughs> <laughs> so the Hesperides call Percy a threat. And he's like, what, me? Have you seen me? <laughs> and say that they, in quotation marks, are disappointed that Talia hasn't killed him yet. And he's like, what? So the Hesperides aren't going to let the squad pass. And they are obviously scared of Ladon. So in order to scare them off, Zoe wakes up Ladon, the giant hundred-headed dragon. Because apparently, back when she lived in the garden, he was like her pet. Uh, apparently, back then. Well, she's not a Hesperid 2,000 now. years ago. Yeah. She's not... Terrifying. Uh, she's not whatever anymore, so... <laughs> He's yeah. Not, mm. So she's like trying to sweet-talk him. And Talia and Percy, like, run up the sides past him. And he won't leave the tree because he's been trained to protect it. Yeah. But he doesn't recognize Zoe anymore. So he lashes out at at her and bites her. (sighs) Not good, right? No. So they just, like, keep going up the mountain because what are they going to do? They can't stop now. And at the top of the mountain, they find the ruins of Mount Othrys which is the mountain fortress of the Titans, which is all the black rocks and marble and stuff that Percy's been seeing in his dreams for months. Months? Weeks? I don't know. Days? A while. Since the beginning of this book. (laughs) However long this book has been. (laughs) Yeah. And as they reach the summit, they walk up and they see Artemis under the weight of the sky. Yeah. Holding the sky up. As she's bound to a rock with celestial bronze chains. And, I don't know, Quinn, I don't know about you, but this sounds real familiar. It does? It sure does. Hmm. So Zoe, of course, runs up to Artemis to try to save her, but it's a trap! <gasps> what a surprise! Kelsey, please! <laughs> That's pretty good. Thank you. You're welcome. So the general shows up with Luke, who's holding a knife to... <gasps> Annabeth! Annabeth's alive! Annabeth's back! We haven't seen her in so long. Yay, Annabeth! So she's gagged and her hands are tied. And behind the general and Luke and Annabeth are a bunch of Dracani holding Cronus's golden sarcophagus. Mm-hmm. Apparently it just goes with Luke wherever he goes. Yeah. Creepy. So, okay. Let us take a moment to acknowledge how dumb... Perseus Jackson has been through this whole book, okay? And it's so sad that we have to acknowledge this because I feel like throughout the Titans Curse episodes, or not Titans, the the 
lightning thief lightning episodes. Thief. All we were doing was defending Percy on being smarter than people perceive him. He is dumber than a box of rocks in this book. This boy asks so many questions about things he should know. He lives in this world. This is his year three in this world. He should be an expert. Everybody, okay. Everybody knows the myth of Atlas, right? Everybody. I would it's assume. On, it's on the maps. If you get a map today, probably not today, an old-timey map, you're going to see Atlas on there. Holding up wait, the sky. You oh, see him wait. in your grandparents' house. You see him all over the place. Yeah, and wait, what's that thing that we look through? What's a book full of maps? <gasps> it's an atlas. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, but, like, you know, aren't there, are there even, like, memes about it where, like, a guinea pig is holding up the sky or something? Yeah. Like, the earth. But usually it's per- it's portrayed as, like, the earth. But yeah. Like it's, like, on his back, not just the sky. But, <sighs> still. And so I get that, like, Rick has to find a way to explain things, right? Yeah. But, like... I almost wish it was sort of like a Dora-type thing where, like, oh, we need our bat book of information. And he pulls out of a, like a big book. <laughs> and Like, the big book yeah. of in- <laughs> uh, mythology. What are these names? Like, well, like, I feel like it could be integrated at, like... And Zoe and Talia are talking about, like, yeah. Atlas holding up the sky. They could, like, I don't know, talk about what they're doing before they just rush headlong into it. What if they Talia, were, like... or Zoe could, I don't know, share the knowledge of what we're oh, walking yeah. into. But then there wouldn't be the suspense. <gasps> but, like, Plan what if battles. they were <laughs> flying with, like, the bronze angel statues from the Hoover Dam? And yeah. they were just, like... Made a random comment about Atlas holding up the sky or something, you know? Mm-hmm. So that Percy wouldn't be literally standing in front of Atlas and be like, and Z- why can't Artemis just set down the sky? My thing is, Zoe has known that they have been fi- they're going to face Atlas for most of this book. Yes! And she has not said one thing to them. Well, Talia probably can figure it out because Talia's smart. Um, but Percy is someone who you need to spell things out for. Yeah. And she just doesn't. And it's like, come on now. Come on. But then it's like, how is he going to keep the reader in suspense if Percy is not in suspense? Mm -hmm. Percy is the lens through which we see this world. So unless he knows and he is just not revealing it, there's not going to be any like building up that suspense and mystery to keep the tension building up until this point where it's like, yep. Yeah. So it's annoying, Mm -hmm. but like. It's annoying, but I understand why it's needed. (laughs) Yeah. (sighs) So yeah, basically Artemis can't set down the sky because the whole world would flatten in a second like a pancake. Yeah, and anyway, you can't let go of the sky unless someone is there to pick it up. Yeah. Or you die. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and everyone dies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then your bones hold it up while you're <laughs> decaying slowly. So the general, yes, the general we've been seeing throughout this whole story is Atlas. And who is Atlas, Quinn? He is a titan lord. And he's the father of? Zoe Nightshade. Yep. And the Hesperides. 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 Yeah, man. What? 
And Atlas is not happy to see Zoe. No. It's a family matter, but he's not happy about it. Nope. So chapter 17. I put on a few million extra pounds. How many stars did you give it? Trois. Trois? Yeah. Two? Three. Three. Trois. Three. <laughs> I also gave it. Wait. Trace. <laughs> bueno. Bien. <laughs> We're just showing off all of our language skills today. I spy dry. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. I got <love> super marcado. <laughs> All right, that's just a little bit of comic relief for you before we get into this super depressing chapter, which is actually kind of short. Yes. Whew, okay, here we go. So, the squad, here's the squad. They're on top of this mountain. They're facing off with Atlas, Luke, and Kronos' entire army. Luke looks awful. He's sick. Yeah. And weak. He can't even talk. Mm-hmm. Barely. Barely. Anubis hair is streaked with gray. Artemis is, like, dying. Under the weight of the sky. <sighs> Just not going well. Nothing is good. Yeah. So Luke tries to convince Talia to call the Ophiotaurus. He even creates a pool of water for Bessie to appear in. And okay, let's just, let, let us just take a moment to acknowledge how many times Luke has created something out of nothing. How many times has he done it? He's done at least one more time. <laughs> so two times. <laughs> Twice, at least. <laughs> So wait, what was the other time? I don't remember. <laughs> okay, so... Uh, it's, um... Enlightening Thief? No. No. Sea of Monsters. It may have been in the Sea of Monsters, but... Or it may have been just earlier in this book, but I... I swear there was another chance, or another, like, time where he, like, created something. Well... It's just proof that Luke is growing ever more powerful, it's but scary. ever more weaker. How <laughs> that didn't really make sense. <laughs> yes, ever more powerful, but ever more weaker. He's uh, powerful, but weak. <laughs> his, yes. <laughs> his, his, I don't know, powers his... are great. But his strength is, is small. small. <laughs> <laughs> that works. That works. There you go. <laughs> yeah, so it's like he's getting these amazing powers, but he's dying at the same time. So Percy, like, thinks about Bessie. And Percy thinking about Bessie is a call to Bessie to come to wherever Percy is. Because yeah. for whatever reason, I guess because he rescued him. I think it's just because of the big three, because it sounds like Talia could do it too. Yeah, true, true. It's like, does that mean other people can do it? Uh, like the little boy who's at camp? The little boy who's at camp who we don't officially know who his father is? <laughs> yeah. Or maybe mother, sorry. Uh, I don't think, I think that Bessie has to meet the person mm. first. At least she has, he has to like form a connection with the person. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But anyway, um, so Grover, through their empathy link, is like, don't think about Bessie. Don't think about Bessie, which 
we all know how hard it is not to think about something that you're not thinking about. Yeah. Don't think about talking into the microphone. Don't think about the game. Ha! You lose. No! And Luke seems terrified of what will happen to him if Talia doesn't sacrifice Bessie. Like, he is also in danger here. Like, it seems like the tables have turned on him. Yeah. Because it started out where he thought he was, like, the leader and he was, Mm -hmm. like, gonna change the world and stuff. And now he's, like, in over his head. Yeah. So Talia is bomb, because Talia just is bomb. And instead of summoning the Ophiatoris, she attacks Luke. Good (laughs) for her. I'm just gonna read what this says. Percy attacks Atlas, because I repeat, he's kind of dumb in this book. He is. (sighs) And at least he admits it. Yeah, yeah, at least. (laughs) So true to Ares' word, Riptide fails Percy when he needs it the most. And Percy gets thrown by Atlas's javelin and he lands at Artemis's feet. Because Atlas can't attack Percy mm-hmm. unless he's provoked. So Percy provoked him, which gives him free reign to fight them. Yeah. Good job, Percy. I sort of wanted to talk about what Luke is ta- telling Talia to get her, like, she, he's trying to like, convince her to come to the dark side, Talia. Eat the cookies. Eat the cookies. I already did. Yeah. (laughs) But uh, he's... uh, Talia shook her head, free Annabeth, let her go. If you'll join me, Luke promised, it can be like old times. The three of us together fighting for for a better world. Please, Talia, if you don't agree. But my thing is, how does he still think that Annabeth will join him? She's literally like... He's literally holding a blade to her throat. Yeah. And she's, they've, like, she's held up the sky. She's almost, like, he's almost killed her so many times. Yeah. Why would she go with him? Well, because he saved her life that one time. That one time? When Atlas wanted to kill her. Oh. And then instead of killing her, they just tortured her? Her, yeah. That was, thanks, Luke, for the torture. No. I don't know. And I don't, Talia. I, what, what makes him think Talia is going to come with him? Yeah. He, I feel like. She's proven time and time again throughout this book that she's not going to do it. Mm-hmm. And she does. I think that she does have feelings for Luke and she wants him to come to the good side, but she's not going to the dark no. side. No, she's not. I love Talia. Talia is so cool. <clears throat> yeah, so. Was that it? On that topic? Okay. So, (laughs) Percy is, like, talking to Artemis, and he's, like, remembers the line in the prophecy, the Titan's curse must one withstand. And he's, like, Artemis, give me the way to the sky. Yeah. And she's, like, no, half-blood, you will die. And he's, like, I have to do this. So, he, like, slices the chains off of her, and also, she, he knows that she's the only one who can fight Atlas. Yeah. Because these... People can't take him. Mm-hmm. But I think it's interesting because he, she's just like, no, no, you can't do it. You'll die. And he's just like, Annabeth did it. And she's just like, Annabeth's different. Yeah. She has the true, like, she has the spirit of the hunters. Like, she, that's why she took it. And right. he's just like, doesn't matter. We're going to die anyway. <laughs> like, if we don't yeah. do this, if I don't do this, I'm going to die anyway. So let's go. Yeah. But. So he, yeah, he slices yeah. the chains off of her and... 
she gives him the sky. But there's a moment where they're holding it together. Mm -hmm. And it still, like, almost crushes him. Yeah. So then Artemis leaves and he just, like, is almost crushed into oblivion. Yeah. And he's just like, we went, like, he, he said, doesn't he say, like, the ground went down? Yeah. Like, he started going underground. Yeah. (laughs) It started sinking. Mm -hmm. So imagine, like, the most painful thing you've ever done. And then, yeah. or like, had happened to you, and then imagine that, like, a it's like times. I feel like it would just be like all your muscles are burning, constantly. Yeah, and if but, you like, oh, you die, yeah. and everybody else dies. Yeah, I feel like I wonder what would happen if the sky fell. I always love <laughs> the sky fall. <laughs> the, the sky is falling. The sky is falling. Um, because the way that he they describe it, it's like it all meets at one point. So I feel like it would collapse in on itself. Like, the sky would just crush the earth into a black hole or something. It would actually probably be really cool to look at. <laughs> and we could take a picture of it now. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to that lady who found out how to take pictures of black holes. Okay. <laughs> Back to the story, see. So, meanwhile, I almost forgot this point, and I remembered it. The ruins... Of Mount Othrys are rising again. Yeah, because like the more powerful the Titans get, their yeah. their castle, their headquarters are yeah. coming from the depths. So imagine like you're fighting someone. There's you're well, or and, and a castle is grounding, growing and everything's, around you. Yeah, it's just and it's all black and creepy. Ugh. Um. So Artemis and Zoe are fighting Atlas, and Talia is fighting Luke, and Atlas sweeps Zoe away, and he like flings her into a bunch of the black rocks. I do think it's interesting that this is the second time Annabeth has been cut out of the major fight at the end of the book. Well, probably the third time, because there wasn't really a major fight between everybody in the ty- uh, the Lightning Thief. It was just Percy on... Uh, Percy on... Uh, Ares. Ares, yeah. How is and Annabeth cut out in Sea of Monsters? She just... Uh, Polyphemus dropped her on her head. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I think so it's interesting. Really yeah, fights. she's she's never really been on in a big fight yet. Like she does like she's been in on the like the individual monster yeah. quests. Hmm. But never a really big whatever when the big fight matters, she normally either gets <laughs> knocked out. Knocked out or pushed out of the screen. Whatever. Right now she's just like standing there, I guess. Mm-hmm. Like still tied up. I don't know. Like all of the girlfriends in all the superhero movies. Yeah. Like, oh the final battle. We'll throw you over there. They take them up to the safe building. Stay here, I'll be back. And fifteen minutes into the fight, oh no, the building's collapsing. I'm gonna save my love. Yeah. <laughs> Except in this, she's just kind of... Tied up. Standing there, I guess. Yeah. So Artemis does some kind of trick. And for the life of me, I read it like three times and I couldn't understand what he was trying to say. <laughs> I guess she like... I imagined it as like, you know, the people who run and then they use the sticks and they jump. No. Oh, Walters. wait. The, yeah, pole vault. Yeah, yeah, pole vault. I imagined it like that. Okay. Artemis like flings Atlas over to where Percy holds the sky. And Percy essentially rolls out of the way, and the weight of the sky, once again, falls on Atlas. I'm like, Atlas is just like, oh, not again. <laughs> no, he's more like, no! Not again! Yeah. Yeah. So Percy's free, but he just, like, collapses in a pile of wobbly bones and burning muscles. Mm-hmm. And Talia corners Luke, 
And Annabeth apparently is no longer tied up. And she begs Talia not to kill him because apparently she still has a soft spot for him. Why? Don't know. Explain it to me, Annabeth. Explain your feelings. But Luke, like, goads Talia and he's like, your father hates you. Olympians suck, blah, blah. And, and then he grab, goes for the spear. He goes for a spear and she just reacts. and. Yep, she kicks him. And he goes off the cliff. Falls 50 feet and doesn't move again. Yikes. But Kronos' army was already coming up the mountain. Yep. And they see them and they get mad and they yeah, charge. Yeah, because Luke's dead. But is he? Who's going to lead them now? Mm. We shall see. Mm. So the squad runs to Artemis. Yes. Who is holding Zoe, who is both poisoned by Ladon's bite and, like, has is broken <laughs> from getting thrown into the rocks by Atlas. Yeah. So just as they think they're about to die by the impending army of monsters, Dr. Chase appears in his sop with Camel. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> and starts spraying the monsters with Celestial Brown's bullets. Yeah. Convenient, eh? So cool. So, as he's doing that, Artemis kind of grudgingly admits that Dr. Chase is a brave man. Mm-hmm. And Artemis summons her chariot. Yes. Which is cool. It's silver. It's drawn by deer, and it looks like Santa Claus's sleigh. I love that Percy brings up, like, hey, this looks like Santa. And Artemis is like, yes, here's the history of Santa Claus and being inspired by me. <laughs> and all the while, Zoe is, like, dying. Well, Percy's, like, in a daze still. You're in a daze, your body is just, like, falling apart, and you're like, Santa. Yeah. Okay. People think of weird things sometimes when they're, like, Out of it? Yeah. Yeah. That's true. (laughs) But the point is, yay, they're now the chariot squad. They have transportation (laughs) again. I would say sleigh. I want to call it a sleigh, but it is a chariot. The sleigh squad. So they fly away from the mountain, leaving Kronos and his army and Atlas behind, holding up the sky. And angry about it. Yes, very (sighs) angry about it. (laughs) So when I finished this book for the second time, it's so hard to stop reading at the end of this chapter. I agree. But then the beginning of the next chapter made me cry, so I stopped. Yeah. I only got like a three, like th- a paragraph into the next chapter, and I was like, I have to stop. I have to stop. This will, like, this is gonna go bad quick. <laughs> also, I won't be able to stop. Um. So yeah. we've ended these chapters. Do we have any final thoughts on this chapter? Do you have anything you want to say? I'm kind of glad that we chose to do these two chapters on their own because it's really sad. Yeah. It's super intense. Yeah. There's a lot to talk about. And Zoe is, like, talking about the stars. It makes me sad for her. And she can't, like, they, like, she has her eyes open, but they're not seeing. She can't see the stars. I love that Artemis loves all of them individually for who they are. Yeah. It's not like, 
they're just members of her army, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, she genuinely cares for each of them. Yeah. And is heartbroken. I, I love the pers- the depiction of Artemis in Rick's books. Because in the myths, it's always like, oh, Artemis, she gets angry so quick. And she, like, kills all of these men. Blah, yeah. blah, 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 blah. And these books show her in her rea- interaction with her hunters more. And yeah. the myths don't really do that. Because they're like, oh, how, how her- she's interacting with... The heroes that come on, or quote-unquote heroes. Yeah. The creepers who are looking in at the <laughs> the bathing... Yeah. Nymphs. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. It's just... It's really nice that she is not just a man-hating... Yeah. Whatever. Yeah, like, she actually has... She has as much depth as the gods do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, Rick even gave Aphrodite depth. Yes. Yes. And that's always good. And, like, there are always issues with, like, give Mrs. Chase a name. Yeah. And bring Annabeth into the fight. Yeah. But. I feel like there were a lot more things like that in The Lightning Thief that we pointed out. Mm -hmm. And it's, like, the number of things like that is going down. Yeah, he learns as he goes. And it's really nice. And, like, you can't, I mean, you have to look at, like, the time that these books are written. Mm Mm-hmm. It's these were crazy inclusive. Like, in oh, yeah. early 2000s, what? A, f- yeah. a female hero? It's not happening. People with disabilities? Pe- yeah. The- this was like, <laughs> I, no. The- yeah. Yeah, it's like, it is crazy, which is why I, like, can cut them slack for it. Because you just have to, like. Yeah. And people it- were so much crueler yes back then yes (laughs) (sighs) speaking as middle schoolers (laughs) not even yeah fifth grade so intermediate schoolers yeah let us know if intermediate school exists anywhere else i've always been curious about that it doesn't really i don't think it doesn't even exist outside of like our town (laughs) our 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 county where we went to school (laughs) yeah um yeah i don't know it's just like i don't know it's so great i feel these books really i feel like they're just wonderful depictions of the year and the time that they are because yes they're showing the myths they're showing these amazing like stories of uh, the hero like of Percy and all of these amazing characters. Yeah. But he's also including girls in these hero stories, and he's making these girls superhero type characters, and that's I don't know what I I think the only movie that I watched that had like a full blown like main character that's a girl who's also fights was like Princess of Thieves. It was Kira mm-hmm. Knightley playing Robin Hood's daughter and it was still all romance based, but she shoots that. a few arrows sometimes. I liked the Chronicles of Narnia because yes. it's two boys and two girls. And the Chronicles of Narnia are just great. Like yeah. the 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 armor and the just like battle the yeah. the costumers of those movies were Amazing. It's the same people who did the Lord of the Rings. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Well, like because like look at Susan's outfit during when, yeah. during the battles. It's actually practical. Yeah. Susan <laughs> and Lucy. What practical female 
battle armor. Yeah, and like, there's such a mix. It's not like, oh, well, Susan and Lucy just tripped their way through the wardrobe. Like, no, Lucy is the one who first finds Narnia because she's exploring. Yeah. Well, she's hiding, but... Well, becomes you know. exploring. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, and then there was this other book series that I loved. And I don't remember what it's called off the top of my head. But it was about a girl who befriend, befriended dragons. Ooh. And, like... And she was a princess, and they were all like, oh, you have to do princess things. And she didn't want to do it, and she's like, I'm not doing princess things. Mm -hmm. So she ended up, like, being a dragon rider and, like, showing everybody that she's the best dragon rider and stuff. And it was only three, like, small books, but I loved them. Yeah. I I would devour anything that had, like, a lead female character. It's like... Oh my god. A girl. <laughs> a girl is on this cover. We must, everybody must read this. Yeah. And then, like, you read it and you're like, this was a bad book, but I enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's like just growing up with, like, Harry Potter mm-hmm. kind of overshadowing everything. Yeah. You have to, like, dig for not Harry stories Potter of books. girls in them. Yeah, and yeah. not Harry Potter. <laughs> Because I love Harry Potter. I really, really, really do. But I don't know why people, like, treat it like it's the best young adult or slash children's whatever it ended up being series mm-hmm. that exists. Because it's really... It's it's a great series and it has amazing characters and... Yeah. But there's other books out there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's not like this, the end-all, be-all. Yeah. There's all kinds of amazing art out there. Mm-hmm. <sighs> so are you yeah. ready for this monstrosity <laughs> of, oh my god, bring on the monsters? I noticed that you kind of rolled it all into one. I did, because as I was right, it's like all of these characters are all from the same myth. Right. So it was like, all right, we're just going to be... It's a monstrosity, <laughs> so be prepared. So we're starting in, uh, in Oh My Gods. So the Hesperides, the, or, yeah, the nymphs of the Hesperides were the nymphs of the sunset. Ooh. So they, it always depends on the source you read who their parents were, but we are going off of Ryerkin. So, Ryerkin. and what he, uh, he says goes, so go. So they were the daughters of the Titans, Atlas and Hesperus, and Hesperus was the daughter of Hesperus, who, <laughs> who was <Junior>. the <laughs> who was the evening star, and the evening star for the ancient Greeks was in fact evening or was in fact Venus. So, whatever that wasn't really important, but I thought it was interesting, and it also explains why they're sky based or whatever they're related to the sky. They're oh yeah yeah. Mm-hmm. And like Zoe's a Zoe night shade, they're all related to skies and night and day and <laughs> sunset and whatever. Kind of like Apollo and Artemis. Yes, they're the Titan version of that. So there's a lot of uh, contention fights over how many Hesperides there actually were, but actually Riordan's explanation works really well. Because of, like, oh, there's four here, but we know that Zoe was among them and was exiled. So there could have been more. So uh, that were there and were exiled. 
Um, so some sources say that there were three, some four, some seven. It really just depends on what you're looking at. Um, yeah, it's complicated. <laughs> so in Titan's Curse, we only see four, but we see Zoe. And considering she was exiled, I think it's safe to assume that more were exiled. Yeah. Yeah. So. Or eaten by Ladon. Wow. That's dark. <laughs> <laughs> So the Hesperides were the guards of the tree bearing the golden apples that Gaia gave to Hera when she married Zeus. And the golden apples were the apples of immortality. So like you eat it, you're immortal, hooray! But the thing is, you can't pick them unless you are immortal. So that's yeah, why the Hesperides uh, are tending the garden, because they are immor- immortal and they can pick the apples and they can cut the tree or whatever. They can, de- they can deal with the garden because they are immortal. They are mortal. Immortal. Immortal. You can only pick them if they're you're immortal. Yeah. That doesn't make any sense. Why would an immortal person need to pick the apple of immortality? Because it tastes good. <laughs> <laughs> but what about Hercules? I'll get to that. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, uh, so probably due to the fact that he- the Hesperides were the daughters of Atlas, who was the titan who rose against the gods, um, and was being, and was punished on the same a- island that the Hesperides were living, and the tree was growing, they Hera added an extra guard because she didn't know if the Hesperides were just gonna peck, pick them and eat them and take them for themselves. Oh, um, Hera. Oh, oh, Hera. So, as an extra precaution, Hera appointed an immortal dragon named Ladon. Ladon? Whatever. Ladon. (laughs) As the extra guard. And wow, look at that. I'm sneaking Bring on the Monsters into Oh My Gods. So, are you ready? Bring on the Monsters. Bring on the Monsters. All right. Ladon was an immortal dragon who never sleeps and always has an eye open. But in this book, he's sleeping, so question. Um, <laughs> but, uh, so, like most myths, there's always different accounts of who Layden's parentage is, and you know what that means. It's time for... Who are the parents? <laughs> so, you have four options today. Oh, gosh. Read them to me. Typhon and Echidna. What? What? Keto and Furies. Versus. P-H-R-C-Y-S. Yeah. Gaia on her own. (gasps) Solo baby. Or Hera on her own. Another solo baby. Best kinds of babies, (laughs) am I right? So, personally, my my pick for the the parentage of Leiden is Typhon and Echidna because... Typhon and Echidna had all the monster babies. Yeah. And if you remember, Echidna is the snake lady from St. Louis, you know, the one with the chihuahua. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. She scares Percy into jumping off the St. Louis Arch. Yeah. You know, the mother of monsters. The first time that he scares Annabeth and Grover to death. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Lady with a half lady, half snake. Yeah. Scary lady. I remember. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Well, she had a baby, a whole bunch of babies with Typhon, who was like a scary dude in yeah. his own right, um, and I and also in the weirdness of Layden's parentage, 
There is one myth that says that he was a sibling of the Nemean lion. So imagine Layden. He's like, I've been working, watching this tree all my life. And my brother was killed a couple eons ago by this random man named Hercules. And Hercules then came here and killed me. What? And then, now, I'm back to life. And some dude just killed my brother. And look, there's that same dude. <laughs> He's probably really upset. Yeah. So, now, back to the Hesperides. We're back to, oh my gods. Oh my god. <laughs> so... We've talked about this story for nearly every episode of The Titan's Curse, so, but every time we talk about it, it's a little, just like a little bit here, a little bit there, so I'm just going to give you the entire story right now. So, briefly, Heracles, or Hercules, whatever you want, was tasked with taking, uh, with picking the golden apples from the Garden of the Hesperides uh, in his, uh, the labors of Hercules and he wasn't happy about this one because this was the 11th and he was only supposed to have 10 and like yeah drama Mm -hmm. so in the story Heracles defeats Layden by basically just Heraclesing him to death like wrestling (laughs) hitting him with a stick I don't really understand how he 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 defeats Layden uh and but because the apples of immortality can only be picked by an immortal, he had, he couldn't pick them. So, so did he chop off a whole branch? He did not chop off a whole branch. He walked up the hill a little bit and chit-chatted with Atlas. And he was like, hey, Atlas. Oh, wait. Before I start talking about hey, Atlas, it's time for... Wait. Should it be om- bring on the monsters? Or should we, like, do a titan thing? Like, talking with the titan. Talk- terrible titan. The terrible titan. <laughs> so Atlas is one of the more famous titans in Greek mythology, and you can see him all the time. And maps and such, and when you, like, look at an atlas, it's his namesake. And- Grand McNally, <laughs> baby. Mm-hmm. So Atlas was, the son- or is, the son of... Iapetus and the Oceanid Asia. And Iapetus was the titan son of Uranus and Gaia. And his name came from the Greek word meaning pierce or usually with a spear because Iapetus may have been considered the god or, I mean, titan of craftsmanship. Uh, But (laughs) there are other sources that say that he is the god of mortality which would sort of make sense then that his son sort of does this stuff around by the uh, tree of immortality. Hmm. If you if dad was god of mortality. But that was Atlas's dad. So Atlas was one of the <laughs> leaders in the t- of the Titan Omaki, Titan Mac What? The War of the Titans. And <laughs> <laughs> and in this war, basically, he was second in command uh, behind Kronos. Ah. He was the general. See? The general. <laughs> ah. And when the Titans lost the War of the Titans, Zeus punished all of the people who fought against him, including Atlas. And Atlas's punishment was to hold up the sky. So when Hercules was at, in the Garden of Hesperides... And he's walking around and he needs Cinder Mortal to pick the apples. He's like, oh, Atlas is over there. 
He's stuck standing in one spot forever. He could probably help me. Anything's immortal. So, Heracles walks over to Atlas, and he's Atlas is all like, I'm holding up this guy. <laughs> <laughs> and Hercules is all like, hey, Atlas, I need you to pick some apples for me. And Atlas is like, oh, buddy, I would love to, but you see, I'm trapped here, holding up this guy. I can't move. Can't move at all. I'm stuck here. No. <laughs> and her and, and he's just like and even if I could get out of underneath the sky I, I I would have to face Layden and Layden freaks me out I'm not doing that <laughs> and Herc's like oh buddy old pal you don't have to worry about Layden I Hercules him to death <laughs> he's not an issue also I'm totally strong and I could hold up the sky for you and Atlas is like man Okay. <laughs> so Hercules takes the sky from Atlas and he's like, oh, this is a lot heavier than I thought. But don't make it a scene. I'm strong. I'm so her, strong. Man. I'm so strong. And Atlas is like, cool, cool, cool. Thank you for taking that load off me for a bit. I'm going to go pick your apples. So Atlas went down to the apple tree, picked up the golden immortal apples because he could came and then he was like while he was doing that he was like stretching his arms for the first time in like forever <laughs> and he's like wow this is pretty great this is pretty great but he goes back to the tr- uh, back to Hercules and he's like here's your immortal apples why don't you eat one then you can stay here forever right and you can take my job that'll be great and Hercules is like that sounds great because Herc even though he's sort of dumb and just a big <laughs> bunk- bunch of muscles He's a little clever in this moment. Or was he? Maybe Zoe was there. But Herc was all like, you know what? That sounds like a great idea. You can go out, party, live live a little, get out from under the sky. Uh, I will stay here, hold up the sky. But the thing is, my, I, when I went under here, when I picked up the sky, my foot was in the wrong position. Like, it's really going to kill me. It's going to shorten the amount of time that I can stand here. Because my foot's already killing me, and I've only been standing here for so long. So how about you take the sky, and I'll come back and reposition my foot, and it'll be great. And Atlas is like, such a great idea! Bro, I'll take the sky for a second. You're going to get into a better position. We're going to do this forever, and I'm going to go party off this freaking island. And so Atlas took the sky, and Hercules herked off. (laughs) And Atlas is like, no, I was trapped. Yeah, sadness. And so Atlas mm-hmm. was stuck on the island of the Hesperides, and yeah. And so Hercules left the island with of the Hesperides, having killed the guardian, Laden, and stolen the apples, and really just pissed off Atlas. And according to Riordan, caused Zoe to be exiled. So Herc sucks. Yeah. Also. Atlas is also in the myth, myths um, again in Jason and the Argon, or not Jason, yeah, Perseus. He's there in Perseus because, uh, like the Perseus myth, because uh, in one version there it, he uh, Perseus comes back to Atlas because he had gone to Atlas for some help with directions, uh, and Atlas is like, "This life sucks. I'm just standing here. I could be a statue. Could do this job." And Herc came, or not Herc, uh, Perseus came back with Medusa's head and turned him into stone. And Atlas was like, this is so cool. Because he didn't have to strain anymore. (laughs) 
Wasn't he also no longer alive? He's immortal. So, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Big questions. Um, and considering timeline-wise, Perseus came before Hercules. Mm. And Hercules met Atlas not as stone. It wore off. Yeah. We can say it wore off, or it never happened, or pick your myths. <laughs> <laughs> so, that was all of our, like, gods, monsters, such, this episode. But I yes. do want to talk about the stop with camels. Okay. Just a little bit, because I didn't do a crazy amount of research. I just looked at Wikipedia and a few other websites. So, I'll just talk about it a little bit, because it is sort of interesting. So, the hot stop with... Sort of. Sort of interesting. So the Sopwith Camels were, were the British World War I single-seat biplane fighter aircraft. So airplanes during World War I were super new. And, like, a lot of times, like, during the war, they didn't know how to use them. It was a new technology. They were like, these are just sort of something for the fair. Like, what, what do you do with the airplane? Uh, so during the war, there was a lot of exper- experimentation of how to use them. And eventually Sopwith Cam- Camel just came out on top first. Uh, they were eventually over, over, uh, matched, uh, in the airplane world because of technological developments. Yeah. Um, but... So initially, aircraft were used for artillery spotting and for photographic reconnaissance, uh, and the Sopwith camels were really good at that because they, basically they were the only ones on the market. I just imagine somebody like flying, and they've got like a super old-fashioned photo camera, camera. <laughs> <laughs> and they're just like trying to like not die while taking yeah. pictures. Yeah. That's how it was. It's like leaning out, like, <laughs> and like some. I think there was one plane that basically had like a glass bottom that you could cut, take your pictures through there. And, oh my gosh! I don't know. I would not want to be a photographer during World War One. No, it sounds terrifying. And yeah. also, you're gonna get shot down. You're in an airplane flying over trenches. <laughs> <laughs> Artillery fire. Go. Um. I don't know what. I don't, Lost my spot. So they were used for photographic reconnaissance. Yes. So as the war progressed, aircraft were fitted with more machine or with machine guns that would target, and then they would target enemy trenches and troop con- uh, troop groups groups. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so the camel was powered by a single rotary or rotary engine and was armed by with two synchronized machine guns. I mean, they had to be synchronized or else they would shoot through the propellers and then the plane would go down. <laughs> Terrifying. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> it was very difficult. It was a difficult plane to handle unless you had uh, uh, a lot of experience as a pilot. And considering planes were a new invention, I wouldn't think that they would have experienced pilots (laughs) ready on hand, especially during the beginning of the war. Maybe towards the end of the war, it was like a different story because they they had pilots, but... And it, at least initially, it was, uh, it was hard to maneuver, but once you did... Once you had figured out how to handle the plane, it had a r- really high level of maneuverability, which made it really basically handy in a dogfight or just avoiding getting shot. 
Or spraying monsters. Or spraying monsters with celestial bronze bullets. I lost the word bullets for a second. <laughs> um, so, uh, da, 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 da. and according to Wikipedia, and con- it's Wikipedia, so the numbers may be off, but in total, the camel pilots uh, were credited with downing 1,294 enemy aircraft, which is more than any other aircraft during the war. Wow. Yeah. That's a lot. Yeah. Crazy. Craziness. So you ready for this? Or, yeah. Ready? Yeah. For quest queries? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, my first question is, do you think the squad is going to have to pay for, like, leaving the van in D.C., or is that just collateral damage? You're, like, obsessed with the transportation. (laughs) Like, I I didn't know. It's a theme. Okay, every two chapters, they have to find another way to get to the place they're going. (laughs) And it's 2,000, almost 3,000 miles away. Yeah, and they they destroy a lot of vehicles. Okay, they're on the van, then they're on the subway, then they're on the train, then they're on the board, then they're in that truck, then they're in canoes, then they're walking, then they're flying. Then they're walking walking again, then then they're they're driving driving again. Now they're flying again. Okay, there's, oh, and Percy flies blackjack. Okay, there is a distinct focus in this book on transportation. And you are focused on it with the focus. Because it's interesting. Yeah. Okay. So I don't know. (laughs) I I, I do not know if the van will come into play again. They'll get a bill. Camp (laughs) Half-Blood will get a bill. Like, hey, you left this in the middle of nowhere. Um, (laughs) No, I just thought it would be interesting if they got back to the camp and Chiron was like, where's the van? They're like, I don't know. And he's like, okay, extra kitchen duty for you, my friends. I think it would be more interesting to be there for the the um, Mr. Chase and Mrs. Chase to realize that their car yeah. was struck by lightning okay. and thrown See? from a cliff. There's so much damage done to And it was like a nice, like, what was so it? <laughs> Smacked her hand. Um, but Mr. Chase had a nice car. It was like a yellow Dr. convertible. Chase. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Dr. Chase had a nice yellow convertible that yeah. is now like a pile of ash at the I bottom of the ocean. Probably. Well, they can afford a plane. <laughs> <laughs> hey, some guy gave him that plane, okay? Well, it costs money to have the gap, pay for the gas more than <laughs> Yeah. Mm-hmm. <sighs> so I actually didn't add a lot of these que- questions to the quest queries just because I was terrible at taking notes this episode. Mm. But, so. How does Talia have Professor Chase's address? Had Annabeth given it to her, like, hey, I'm going to be moving, send me a postcard? I'm guessing. Yeah. But then that would mean, like, I feel like that would be, like, I'm moving, like, right now. Here's the address. Well, they moved how long ago? They're all moved in already. I know, but Annabeth is at her school and just talking about moving. And she had... I don't know. I think it's weird that... Talia just has this address on a slip of paper in her bag, and she's been it carrying is. around it, oh, forever. Oh, it's totally weird. Weird. It does. It's like doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. But I think that Annabeth is just 
like in denial about it. Yeah. So she probably talked to Talia about it and not Percy. So when she talked to Percy about it, it's like something new. Yeah. But in reality, it's like already happening. It's been it's been a thing. Like for they're literally quite a in the months. car on the way. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe Annabeth told it to Talia, and Talia was like, "Okay, so you're gonna be going there sometime." So she made sure to write it down and keep it in the safe <laughs> space. And yeah. then it was like. Contacts across the country. Maybe she has an address book there where it's go. like all of the family members of all of the different campers at Camp Half Blood, so that if she finds herself in an area, yeah, she's just like, I know someone who can help us. Yeah, that'd be smart, Talia. So you don't have to talk about this next great question. It's just crazy. <laughs> um, how much eucalyptus does a hundred-headed dragon have to eat to get rid of bad breath? A lot. <laughs> it's like, so let's say a mouthful per per head. So a hundred bites. And then <laughs> how many bites of an eucalyptus does it take to alleviate the smell? <laughs> It's a lot, of, a lot of eucalyptus. What other things eat eucalyptus? Koalas. Koala bears. This dragon is killing koalas. <laughs> I don't no think koalas, koalas in live San in Francisco. San Francisco. <laughs> Did you know all co- nearly all koalas have like chlamydia? Really? Yeah. It's Isn't an it issue. in their claws? No, they like I don't know how they got it, but basically. They, they got it, and now it's just running rampant in the They're koala also, population. Oh, wow. They're they also all... so violent, they have to be sedated before you can hold them. Oh, really? They'll, like, straight up murder you. Have you seen the pictures of the wet koala? They're angry. It's hilarious. <laughs> I love just randomly looking up wet koala, because it just gives you a nice weird fright, and then you're like, but it's oh a koala. Gosh. He's so mad. <laughs> He just looks so angry. He's Atlas holding up the sky. <laughs> Anger. Oh, that little sad guy. How'd he get there? He's Where? on the ropes somewhere in the middle of a body of water. He climbed there. Koala's much cuter when dry. <laughs> Terrifying. They are very cute and very angry. Like, look at that baby. We're going to hear from someone who's, like, best friends with a koala and be like, they're going to be like, you know what? That really hurt my koala friend's friend feelings because I think they're very nice. <laughs> and you know what? Maybe they are. We have never met a koala. I just Googled, are koalas angry? It says, every wild koala I've seen in Australia has been in a tree, usually asleep or simply not doing much. Sometimes, though, koalas get angry, really angry. <laughs> Our koala is aggressive. Most humans believe that the koala is a lovable animal. They also find them to be boring and dumb. Since a koala is often immobile and resting for about 18 hours a day, hashtag me, there isn't much of interest to watch with it. People are putting themselves at risk by doing this because koalas can be very aggressive. Hmm. Boom. Anyway, nice little animal tangent. (laughs) And we already talked about this question. Why is Percy... Why did Percy know everything in The Lightning Thief and then forget it all by now? But Maybe because in The Lightning Thief, he had just recently had a Greek, uh, an ancient Greek class. 
True. Or a Latin class that was taught by Chiron, so he was probably <laughs> being taught Greek mythology yeah. in a Latin class. <laughs> he thinks it's Latin, but little does he know there's a whole other camp for that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Maybe in Lightning Thief, he just, everything was just fresher in his mind. Maybe, maybe it's without Annabeth, he has no idea what he's doing. Maybe he's just gotten used to Annabeth feeding him information and has yeah. stopped being curious about the world. Yeah. Annabeth, give him some books and stop <laughs> reading. <laughs> stop reading. <laughs> yeah. I think that's about it for episode 18. Oh my goodness. That was... <sighs> it's going to be tears. Yeah. Tears are I'm coming. I'm looking forward to this next... In the next episode, we will end this book. Mm-hmm. And we'll probably end up talking about Rick Riordan. Yeah, boy. Yeah, boy. I'm not looking forward to the end. No. There will be tears. Yeah. Sadness. Sadness. But then, it's the Battle of the Labyrinth, which is even more. (sighs) Okay. Thanks to everyone who listens to this. And thanks to Valeria for writing in and... We'll see you guys next time. See you next time. Bye. Bye.